0: Is Gutterball the Lebowski Deep Cast? It does kind of remind me of like the line art of Picasso. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of the Big Lebowski. Why don't we keep the whole million? Providing insight. This reminds me of uh, Walmart that horse commentary. Don't puff your chest out all hot saucily and conjecture. The Supreme Court has <laughs> roundly rejected <laughs> prior, prior restraint. <laughs>
1: hello Bradley
0: hello Adam how are you
1: Bradley I words cannot express the joy that I feel on this day this evening this morning whatever it
0: is and I think you know why I think i, I yeah i have there I think there's two big reasons the first being it's a just
1: a nonsensical byproduct of our base ten number system, but for some reason, as humans, we embrace it. Do you, do you want to do the big reveal
0: for the first reason? Let's do it. This is episode one hundred. Episode one hundred. We've made it a hundred episodes in. We're talking about the one hundredth minute of the Big Lebowski today. That's ten. They said it could of not be done. Everyone doubted us. But we were here, 100, (laughs) and we're still going strong.
1: You know what's unfortunate about that? It puts, you know, I I was in the running, uh, as I've heard recently, for laziest statewide and possibly worldwide, but the fact that we've done 100 of these puts my title in jeopardy, I think.
0: That's true. It is an effort. Or it's effortless at the same time. But, you know... So, but there's a second reason. We need to celebrate its 100th episode. We wanted to do something a little special. We wanted to do something special. It deserves... So,
1: Gutterballs deserves it. The listener deserves it.
0: Uh, should so I... go for it. Get, get, do the reveal.
1: We have a special guest on this episode. Um, we could refer to this gentleman as the Doodly Llama. We could also refer to him as Reverend Oliver Benjamin. We could refer to him as the founder of Dudism, but instead I'll refer to him as Reverend Oliver Benjamin, founder of the church of the latter day dude, because we're not into that whole brevity thing. Welcome Dudley Lama.
2: Thank you so much. Glad to be here. You guys.
1: It's an honor to have you. Thanks for joining us.
2: Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. I've been following your guys' stuff, and I think it's uh, really astonishing what you've managed to pull off. It's a new level of intricacy regarding uh, The Big Lebowski and all of its ramifications.
1: You are far too kind. Um, You've been doing this far longer than we have. We are but fucking amateurs compared to you. (laughs) Um, But I, I have a question for you. It's a question that we ask all of our guests. When was the first time? that you saw The Big Lebowski, and what did you think about it?
2: Well, uh, this is a question that people continually ask me uh, in interviews and stuff, and I've repeated the story so many times that I'm almost not sure if it's true or not. It's one of those things that could be apocryphal, but I think it happened. Um, I was in Thailand around 2002, 2003, uh, and as one does when they're in Thailand, they take it easy, drink a lot of banana shakes and beer and sit around watching movies in hastily constructed bamboo cafes uh, that the locals set up. And um, on this particular day, a friend of mine who is very much like the dude, uh, an older fellow who lived through the hippie generation and stuff and, you know, was extremely excited about this movie, told me that uh, I should uh, wash uh, The Big Lebowski with him at this cafe. And uh, it was... a. Uh, It was, to put it mildly, it was a religious experience. I'd been living in Asia, studying uh, all sorts of different uh, disciplines, uh, from yoga to meditation and uh, different types of uh, sort of philosophical investigations. And when I saw this movie, I suddenly realized that I had been wasting my time for 10 years, uh, that everything I needed to know was encapsulated in this film. It suddenly became this clear insight that life didn't have to be such a problem. And uh, I couldn't figure out what it was about the film that actually made me feel that way. And I suppose a lot of people, you know, have the same sort of thing. And that's the more you look into it, the more you kind of go down the rabbit hole and realize it's just an incredible encapsulation of of humanity and what it is to be human and the struggles that we have and the the uh, temptations and the 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 sort of uh, psychological uh, misfits that we are, that we don't really fit into this modern world. And the dude is kind of like a modern day caveman in a way. He lives the way we were designed to live and he doesn't care what people think about it. And so I basically dropped all the other uh, stuff that I've been studying and went on to study the, du- to study the dude full time and started the religion as a result of it.
1: So let me get this straight. The first time you saw this movie, it just clicked. You knew it. It's like, this is the shit.
2: You know what? Actually, I'm remembering wrong. I did see it once before. I'd, I'd seen it once before, and it didn't really make an impression on me. Okay. Yet. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. Just like like everyone else, uh, it usually takes about two or three times at least to, for it to really click. I saw it. You have to sort of prime the pump, I think, is what it is. Is that It's such a unique film. It's so different than everything else out there that you kind of have to rejig your thought process to yeah. sort of fit it into your brain. And I was so I'd seen it the first time. Someone actually also someone had uh, recommended it to me and I sort of saw it. I thought and I like the Coen brothers and Coen brothers are always great. Sure. So I enjoyed it. But it didn't it didn't have a revelation. It right. was the second time or the third time that I saw it, that this that this happened. Yeah. yeah and first, I
0: think that's just so uh, that's very typical. And I think part of that, you know, because we've talked about this a lot, Adam and I, about you go into it the first time and you're kind of expecting For lack of a better word, like a traditional movie that's going to make some sort of sense to you and it's going to follow a certain pattern. And when it doesn't, there's some sort of cognitive dissonance there. And until, like you said, prime the pump, you're ready then after the first viewing to say, okay, I'm going to watch this with the right mindset now. And then it all starts to rush in. It all starts to seep in.
2: It's like a great bread. piece of literature. If you compare it with any of the, all the great pieces of literature, you know, are, are completely new. Moby Dick is my my favorite example. It's my favorite book. You know, it's, it was so unappreciated at the time because it was so new and so different. It wasn't a typical story in any way. So... For me, I compare uh, The Big Lebowski to M- Moby Dick a lot and being sort of a revolutionary movie. Luckily, it didn't take, you know, 40 years to be appreciated after Mel- like the uh, Moby Dick was. It just took a few years, but I still think that uh, it, it... And that's why a lot of people don't get it. Maybe still it'll be another 20 years before really the massive population sort of understands why this is an important film.
1: So in the interests of brevity, can I refer to you as the Reverend simply?
2: <laughs> just call me Ollie, it's fine.
1: Ollie? I like that. Ali Lama, maybe, but um, so now Brad's being a little modest because the first time he saw it, he was into it. He laughed his ass off. He kind of got, you know, twenty five percent of the jokes, which is an accomplishment. The first time I saw it, I didn't get it. I was expecting Fargo two point and I saw it with a couple of friends of mine, and we were just kind of like, okay, what was that? But the first time Brad saw it. We watched it together, and I think that made a difference. And you mentioned that you saw it with a friend of yours, um, maybe an older gentleman, maybe a little sagely. And do you think who you watched it with, the company you kept, had an impact on your enjoyment or understanding of the film? You mean me or Brad? I'm talking to you. The oh, the dudely I, I thought you
2: were asking. I thought you were asking Brad. Oh, I'm now yeah. Brad
1: and I have been over this ad nauseum. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to I, I, pretend like he's so much better than me yeah, forgetting yeah. it the first time <laughs> yeah. he's kind of a dick like that
2: yeah uh, pretty much it's probably uh, <laughs> really bragging rights if you can get the Big Lebowski right away but I, I mean you know obviously it depends on what you what you expect out of movies and I think what, a big thing is also you know people who are you know into foreign films let's say might get it uh, because if you ever watch you know Louis Buñuel or any of the sort of you know celebrated auteurs and in the continent uh, you know, movies in Europe don't always follow this sort of rigid um, payoff structure that American movies do, you know, where you basically have to have justice in the world and you have to have, you know, uh, the comeuppance for the bad guy. And that the, 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 um, the hero has to basically get the girl in the end and get the, you know, the glory and against right. all odds has to persevere. And so it's basically, it just doesn't There is no genre in, in, uh, in America that allows the sort of red herrings that are peppered throughout um, Lebowski to be celebrated. People just watched that movie and said, why did he never get to face <laughs> off against the Jesus? People say, "Why?" I mean, there's a good, good thing. Why is the Jesus even there? He doesn't do anything for the story. And it's a very important red herring. It's basically, it's, you, they're subverting the expectations of the viewer. That You have this guy, suddenly it's supposed to be this like Rocky type showdown between Apollo Creed and Rocky with the bowling. Right. Right. And nothing happens, and they never have it. And you know, the, the stranger says, "Well, I sure hope he makes it to the finals." And then the movie's over, and you go, "What? Why wasn't? <laughs> why weren't there any finals?" It's and such the a point great, is, the point is that is the whole idea of that is that the, the, by sort of psychologically upending your idea of what is supposed to happen in a heroic epic, it allows you to then reevaluate the whole notion of hero, heroism itself. That heroism is a bit of a red herring, you know that that maybe that our whole foundation of of heroism upon upon which you know sort of the mythos of of the United States is built, you know, cowboys and self-made billionaires and stuff is a bit of a fluff, you know, that it's, a, that it's all just sort of propaganda. Hey, at least, the, the bachelor, ethos, yeah, at least it's an ethos, man. At least it's an ethos. You know, but it's a bad ethos. That's what I'm <laughs> And so, and, and, I th- and we really have to question this. We really I think it's the most important thing about the, the movie is that we really have to question this aggressive mentality that people have in this day and age about what you're supposed to do with your life.
1: Let me ask you a question. So you founded dudism. Brad and I have talked a lot about on this sh- on the show about the dude, um, ostensibly embracing this Zen-like lifestyle. He just goes with the flow. He takes it easy. You know, he rolls with the punches. But what we've found as we've examined this movie, minute by minute over the last three years, God help us, (laughs) is that he actually, like, loses his shit a lot. Um, There's the scene in the bowling alley where he's like, they're gonna kill that poor woman. he's, like, apoplectic with anger. He loses his shit at the titular Lebowski. When they brace him, he's, he's, like at least half the time losing his shit. So how does that jive with the, uh, the Zen, the Eastern sort of philosophy?
2: Yeah, this is, this is actually something that we get asked a lot and and we have an answer for that. And it's actually very important and it sort of humanizes the dude. The point is that if, you know, I've I've spent a lot of time with meditators over here and I mean, it's a Buddhist country. I live in Thailand most of the year and uh, you know, I've, I've encountered a lot of the, this sort of stuff where, you know, you kind of expect, you know, in the West, we expect these guys to be like, you know, martial artists like Cain on, you know, Kung Fu completely completely unfazed and, you know, unmiffed by anything that happens to them. Emotionless, basically. Well, just, you know, saintly. And the thing is that, you know, it's very common to this Orientalism for, you know, people in the West to sort of imagine these kind of transcendent, holier-than-thou type people that, you know, are, you know, in the Shaolin temples and so that who can, you know, catch grass catch flies with their chopsticks and all that crap. Mm-hmm. Then the the truth is that there are no, you know, people over people in the, in the East or, you know, obviously a lot of the new age community, they all, they talk the talk and they know what they kind of want to be like, but they're just like everybody else. The, the difference is that when you do study meditation a lot, you do practice these disciplines. Um, you don't, become immune to you know human emotions and fear and, and paranoia and panic and depression what you were generally able to do is reduce the severity and length of them and that's what the dude uh, evinces the, the thing about the dude is that yeah you see him go crazy go fucking ape shit, suddenly all of a sudden out of nowhere you know and he's pissed and, and rightfully so but the incredible thing about it is that he snaps back so quickly you know most of us fume for days over, over a slight. He literally, you know, just after, you know, the perfect scene is when he's in the back of the limo and he says, yeah, I had, had a rough day, lost a little money, but can't be worried about that shit. Good life goes on. And it's literally like a minute after he lost a million dollars and all sorts of crap happened to him. He just, he's he snapped back to himself. And, and that's the whole point is when, you, when you're meditating, at least as, to use an example, you know, even the best meditators start thinking about, You know, things they have to do today or porn or, you know, all sorts of distractions that that you're supposed to not think about when you're trying to be holier than thou. Aquatic monkey boys, maybe. (laughs) Or whatever, whatever turns you on, you know. And and the thing is that the point is that you just snap back quicker. You you don't sit there for five minutes thinking about uh, the Sopranos. You know, you think about something for a minute and then you suddenly realize you're, you're lost and you pull yourself back. So anyway, the dude is a perfect example of a, a kind of a humanized, accessible, normal person who has a supernatural ability to freak out and then calm himself down.
1: That makes a
0: shit ton of sense. Yeah, Sorry.
2: it does. I love that answer. Yeah, great I, uh, answer. I, I, I get it now. I mean, that, that there's, was several, there's several times in the movie awesome. where I mean, he really like is pit- think about the think about the thing. There's a great scene. I mean, we're in the middle of the hundredth minute here, and what happens is one of the important things that happens. And perhaps one of the most humanizing, you know, uh, uh, events yeah. in the movie that makes the dude seem really accessible is that he's completely, you know, batshit crazy calling the calling the guy a human paraquat, and he's freaking out and he's angry and he's finally confronting the guy, and then Walter hurts him a little bit, right. and very quickly the dude is like, "Hey man, let's." Pick him up, you know. He he doesn't. He he's, he's not it. holding on to his anger.
1: Yeah, right. He just gets over it so quickly. That's yeah. a great fucking answer.
0: Right, and it's a perfect lead-in because that's the exact minute. That's not that happens in the hundredth minute.
2: Right, what does. we're going to be
0: discussing today, we're right here. So
2: that's, yeah, that's why I'm. That's why I mentioned it because I, I think that in in many ways that is the climax of the film where the dude really is absolutely confronting his nemesis and in a typical you know hollywood type stallone movie he'd beat the shit out of him or or ruin him or humiliate him or destroy him and and in this moment of of total confrontation he actually sees some sympathy with the guy and and doesn't hold on to his anger for longer than 30 seconds right and then he shows some kindness that's great exactly
1: so ollie what are you working on now you just had a book right
2: I just published a, one other book. We've had several books published. Um, this one is called The Tao of the Dude, and I've actually been working on it for a long time. Um, I wrote most of it, actually, several years ago. I was collecting lots of uh, quotes and stuff like that to pad it out. Basically, it's a series of uh, about 30 essays uh, about – short essays about um, – about the film and that, but the point of the book is that it's each essay is buttressed by a collection of quotes throughout history to support the notion that dudism, the philosophy of, of the Big Lebowski, the way of life that is shown by the dude and the philosophy of the of the story is basically something that's existed throughout history since the dawn of civilization as a corrective to civilization so it's not just that dudism is some sort of fanciful play on the big Lebowski and you know trying to capitalize on the popularity of the film it's basically saying look this movie is great because it's founded in an eternal philosophy that has existed throughout history and uh, here's a bunch of examples to show you why that's true or how that's true i love it where, where do
1: people find this stuff and learn more about you and dudism
2: well dudism.com is the main website d-u-d-e-i-s-m.com people sometimes misspell it d-u-d but that would be dudism so it's uh, D-U-D- espero- yeah we D- don't D- want that <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to celebrate that i mean
1: i thought it was a dud the first time i saw it but no longer. Uh, yeah well maybe there's a little irony in the
2: name then yeah could be
0: anyway we don't so so, yeah just go to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
2: hopefully we not. don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, I mean, people, a lot of people think we're a dud. That's their, that's their opinion, man. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, go to the website, the Church of the Latter day Dude, dudism.com. We have a bunch of stuff, lots of books, The Tao of the Dude, The Abide Guide, The Dude Dating, Ching, um, Lebowski 101. Uh, we have a, lots of material on the site. We have a forum. We have an online publication called The Dude's Paper. Which is a Dunezpaper dot com. Um, we have a bunch of things rolling out. We're trying to get a uh, Bide University, an online learning program uh, to study leisure science and other uh, dunest, uh disciplines uh, online. Um, and uh, our Facebook page is quite popular. We have about four hundred thousand uh, followers of our Facebook page, uh, Facebook oh, slash Duitism.
1: That's a couple more than we have. We're close. We're 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 tight. We're we're right up on there,
2: but not quite. Uh, you, you guys going to draft me? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can do that. (laughs) Well, i will be happy to uh, post a a link to this once it's up online. Um,
1: You know, that'd be fantastic. Um, It's been awesome having you. I know that we kind of got you up a little bit earlier and your life, I don't know, is your lifestyle more of a, is it some kind of Western thing? (laughs) (laughs) Far from it. Awesome. All right, Oliver, thanks for being here. Um, I just think it made our 100th episode so special. Appreciate yeah, it a great lot. talking
2: to you guys. I'm, I'm really proud of what you're doing. I'm really happy to, to look more into it. And uh, hopefully you, can, you guys can turn this into a, into a book or, uh, or something someday. There's so, much, there's so much content you guys have done. And you've done, you've done the world a good service. I'm proud of you.
1: Well, for a bunch of fucking amateurs, that's high praise. So thanks. <laughs> okay,
2: good luck and uh, talk to you soon all Thanks. right keep taking it easy all right take it easy guys bye
0: well brad that was fantastic that was awesome that was awesome what a great guy i mean to come uh you know help us out like that join in he didn't have to do that who are
1: help we us. yeah exactly bunch of fucking nobodies we're like uh steve martin and the jerk you know N- N- nathan yeah. johnson right yeah biggest thrill of his life is like oh (laughs) asshole right the biggest thrill is when the new phone books come and there's his name in it you know that's (laughs) us and you know he's like that millionaire guy and we're like steve martin putting the glasses with the thing in the middle that makes his eyes go cross-eyed like we probably just ruined his career so it was you know nice of him to come here and give us a couple minutes of his time
0: yeah, and I love how he was able to uh, lay out... Um, like the you know, dude's In 10 aggression. minutes, he was able to bring more insight than we've managed to do in, in almost three 200 years. hours <laughs> right. of recorded...
1: Right. At <laughs> least 200 funny. hours. Yeah. It's like, okay, maybe for once I'll shut the... I didn't do a real good job, but I was thinking, just shut the fuck up and let him talk for once. Because... And no, he was doing
0: our job for us. It was perfect. I loved it. I wish... That's what I want you to do, basically. <coughs> you could just call, man. I, see, I was waiting for you the to f- do it this whole time. That's the problem. What? I was waiting. I'm just shut up. I'm just like, okay, Adam, enlighten us. I don't have anything. And you're sh- sitting over there like, all right, when's Brad going to talk? Now it's, it took us 100 episodes in, but I realize now this strategy may not be the best.
1: We need to find people who know what they're talking about. And have other people, maybe we'll just sit here and be quiet and other people can talk. Right. Is that the strategy? I've always
0: been much more successful as just kind of like facilitating people that actually know a thing or two.
1: Mm, fuck. Well, for our very special episode, I don't really have much.
0: <laughs> I mean, we could just wrap it up now. I actually do have a few things. Do we want to play the minute and talk about it a little bit?
1: I guarantee you it's all downhill from here, so might as well. Let's do it. Here we go.
0: i am never been no right more surfing.
2: certain about anything in my fucking life.
0: Get Come on. Get Come away on. No! <laughs> put him down, man. Hell, yeah, put him down, dude. No! okay. I'm too many. <laughs> 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 Come on, man, help me put him back in his chair. Ross, we had to talk to to tell
2: I'm curious see some
0: tank battles. But fighting in desert is very different from fighting in canopy jungle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a foot soldier. Where is this? All right. That was the minute. Yes. So <laughs> yes, there's some was. weird stuff I noticed in here. See, so, here's the weirdest thing. I never noticed this. For once, you have For, things. I've always things, but watching this with the subtitles on, I noticed something. I actually noticed this last week, and I was like... it twist in my head i was like okay i gotta wait till this week to talk oh about that's
1: it. your thing you watch it with the subtitles on yeah. once again i didn't and you probably didn't watch it with your eyes closed and only the sound i didn't do that it's routines brad it's pathways through yep. the snow and they're getting more entrenched every day we should switch it
0: we should i think again there's probably something judaism would have to say about those entrenched pathways and breaking out of them jesus i'm sure he would let me just. Oh. I just I'm thought so it was close to really going full on, dude. You just... have no idea. Well, tell me about it. What do you mean? I don't know if I can get into it here, but I, do I don't it know. Now. I could just do if it not I could now. Just when? do it. Just... I could just switch to bathrobe and be done. Well, you know, I might actually do it. Do you have a I'm Rubik's cube? To actually, do it. Fortune that you can
1: fall back on. I don't. Well, you know who who cares? who can worry about that shit. Well, I, mean, I, I might. I might life have goes enough. On.
0: Like you know. Well, I might be able to eke by a little bit.
1: You could try it out for a little while. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work, go back to the other yeah. you know square community shit.
0: So, yeah, <laughs> that was an aside. Here's what I noticed listening to the while looking at the subtitles. Well, that's Walker, not an aside.
1: It's something we're going to have to come back to. But
0: I, yeah, I just I can't really talk about it. That's fine at this point my I, I just can't i understand i'll talk about it after i do it i understand walter says ak baby he fucking says ak baby and that got me thinking like what the fuck is that well is that a phrase people say i only know that as the u2 album
1: it's a phrase people say
0: so ak baby is it a phrase people say it well, came out on November 18th, 1991. So, again, close.
1: Oh, see, that is weird. I didn't put that connection together. That is weird. Like, maybe that...
0: But Achtung Baby, I mean, maybe it is something people say. So, looking at... I just figured
1: it was a war thing. Walter's very into the military and yeah, military conflicts. And he knew that as a phrase of, like, you know, the Germans, you know, that fucking Kraut... I told him a thousand times. Like, he knows this shit. Yeah. Conflicts I'm, that America has been in. I well, just that figured was, he knew that shit.
0: That, I mean, granted, I am unaware of... I was unaware of that phrase outside of the title of a U2 album. I did um, do some... So then I was, like, thinking the same line, along the same lines of you, you were saying. Like, there must be a... This just must be a... Uh, um... You know, some phrase, something people have said. Maybe it was from like the '40s. It was like a thing people said. World War II. People were just like, Octung, baby!" Like it was a. Like, but I can't find any reference. I couldn't find any reference to it as a phrase. What I did find is in the uh, Wikipedia article for Octung baby. They referenced the title, and it says u 2 sound engineer, Joe O'Harely, used the phrase Octung Baby during recording, reportedly taking it from the Mel Brooks film The Producers. The title was selected in August 1991, near the end of the album sessions.
1: Uh, Okay.
0: It was attention-grabbing, referenced Germany, and hinted at either romance or birth, both of which were themes on the album. So... I then was like, "Okay, I'm not. I have to say again, I'm not that familiar with the producers, unfortunately.
1: I'm not either. I know of it mostly from Curb Your Enthusiasm, where Larry David was auditioning right. for it, and then he got the part, and David Schwimmer was doing it, Ben Stiller, and he, yeah, Mel Brooks is. Well, I don't want to spoil anything,
0: but right, yeah, I know it from there because it did become very popular as a Broadway play. Yes, and then right. it was in." Uh, featured in that season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So that's where I know the
1: producers from, basically. Yeah. Curb but, Your Enthusiasm.
0: You know, and the IMDb page, there is um, a quote there. Der Fuhrer does not say octung baby. Baby, baby. Why does he say this, baby? The Fuhrer has never said baby. I did not write baby. What is it with this, baby? It's out of context, so I can't really understand it. But. Walter says, Achtung baby. (laughs) I just don't know what to make of it.
1: Well, maybe
0: it is a phrase and I'm just, we're just so ignorant and it's even, it's not even in Google, like some Googling. I can't find any reference to it being a a phrase other than from the producers or you two.
1: See, I'm not sure what this reference to the producers really means. Like what I'm not just because they said "octum baby in that, in the producers?
0: Well, the U two in the Wikipedia it says the al the U two album Octung Baby came from their sound engineer saying Octung Baby and he got it from the producers. So See, I'm just tracing so my first question was, I guess I should backtrack. I was like, is Octung Baby why did U2 call their album Octung Baby? Is that a known phrase? Okay. Well, and uh, apparently not. It's just this random quote from the producers.
1: No, it is a known phrase, Brad. You're think you're thinking about this has become very uptight. (laughs) It
0: it does get uptight a lot. I won't. You could just
1: cough. Nobody gives a shit. The seven people listening does. Yeah, but you're you're forcing it back. Just let it go. I'm not really. It's just the bizarre. Let it go. Believe me, I
0: would let it out.
1: Okay, Octum baby. Okay, you've listened to you talking you two to me.
0: I have listened to that podcast, yes. all of it. Have you Not listened to the Octune Baby episode? I want to say yes.
1: Well, when you two, I can't believe we're talking about fucking you two. When you two was recording Octune Baby. Uh, I don't know if it was Brian Eno who was producing it, but anyway, it's like, you got to go over to Germany, blah, blah, blah. And this is like right, right around the time the wall had come down, you know, but it's a time of great change and upheaval and unrest. And they were like, that sounds great. We'll go and find a little place and we'll all live there together and, you know, work on songs for the next album. But they were in Germany. It was kind of like gray and depressing and lots of concrete so I guess my point is they were living in like kind of blasted out like not yet recovered not even close to recovered Germany at the time and in German in Deutsch Oktum Baby is just like here we go baby you know look out watch out here it comes you know it's like an expression of like impending something
0: Octune baby, look out, baby! Oh, look out! It's so you're saying like it's that. a it's a common phrase in German, German, I'm Germany. I'm saying
1: that. I don't know if that's right. I'm just saying that when you two was recording Octune baby before it had a name, they were doing that. They were like getting the genesis of the album and like hashing it out in Germany, and it was very depressing. Yes. And it's not as not at all what they thought it was going to be. That whole experience. So that influenced that whole album, and I think Walter. Now, it's very interesting that he's saying this in 1991, very close to the time, even though I I would argue that it's probably before Octoon Baby came out. Um, mm-hmm. But is there a single? Do we know what the U2 album is called in September, October of 91?
0: Well, if they did say, uh, I just said it, didn't I? That they decided... I wasn't
1: paying attention. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening.
0: The title was selected in August 1991.
1: All right. So it was selected, but was it public knowledge? Yeah, that I don't know. Um, And even if it was, would is Walter somebody who's listening to popular music so much so that even before an album comes out, he's aware of the title of the album. I don't know. That is. It's it's fucking interesting, man. That's all I can say. But I think what's, Probably more plausible is that Walter studies the the cultures and the countries that we go to war with, especially in the larger conflicts, the WW twos, which would be the Germans, the Italians, the Japanese, the uh Vietnams, which would be the Vietnamese. You know, these are the ones, like the big ones that he's familiar with. Maybe the Korean War, maybe he's I think he's a historian of military conflict. So I think in his studies and research, he's come across that and he, he tries to appropriate some of those phrases so that he can throw them back at people. Or I told that crowd a fucking thousand times, you know, that the Chinaman's not, I you know,
0: or, or, or is this a really, is this somehow related to his, uh, Jewish heritage, his Jewish tradition. octune Baby? Well, oh. the producers. Mel Brooks, Jewish.
1: Jewish characters. I was thinking more like he was appropriating the slang from the Germans from oh. WW2 because they were persecut- persecuting the Jews. Mm-hmm. No, I got you on that one. Okay. But you're saying it's from the producers.
0: But the fra- if the phrase is from the producers, it's part of that 3,000 years of... Tradition from Moses the Sandy Koufax. Okay. There's another, it just occurred to me.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, I can't rebuke it. I just, Walter doesn't strike me as somebody who's really up on popular culture. And I also wonder if it's a byproduct of them shooting this movie in 98, even though it takes place in 91, it being a period piece. Maybe Octune Baby is more of a household term in 98, then in September of 91.
0: It, it just, it does seem just an odd thing for him to say, no matter what.
1: And I never, I mean, I did hear him say it. I didn't watch it with the subtitles, but I did hear him say that. I thought I had written a note here, but I guess I didn't. But yeah, Octoon Baby. But I just figured like it was him studying our opponents. It's like, here's some weird shit I can say, like Samuel L. Jackson. Quoting whatever in pulp fiction just before he shoots people. Just some freaky shit I can say. He's like, Octune, baby, look at this, you know? Here we go. Boom. They throws him on the floor. The producers.
0: We'll never know.
1: Why why are you so defeatist?
0: You're right. We will know one day. We we'll may have ask know. someone, you know, I bet, uh, Ollie knows, we yeah, got to get him dial back him
1: here. back up here. He's probably still awake. He's just waking up here. We'll die. We'll get him back on the horn.
0: <laughs> yeah. You
1: know what? He would know too. Like you said, he, he gave more to this podcast in 10 minutes than we've done in over 200 hours. How unfortunate.
0: So another thing I noticed is, uh, the dude, I love how you're carrying this episode. I, I've decided. I'm. I decided. I'm just going to carry this one. I'm I had to do send for you, Adam. Like four emails to get
1: the dudely llama on the show. Well, now I'm making up for it. Yeah, thank you. I'm just saying thank you. This is me thanking you. That's my version of a thanks.
0: And this is me accepting that thanks wholeheartedly <laughs> and telling you that you're welcome. All right. The dude says, calls him a cripple. The titular Lebowski. Right. Come on, man. He's a cripple.
1: Well, that's, you know, his preferred. So nomenclature. again,
0: the issues, the, the issue, the, the, again, the issue with the, uh, yeah, the nomenclature. First the Chinaman and now the cripple.
1: The dude is not
0: PC. No. Can, the- I guess it's one of those things he just can't be bothered with. Well, it goes on, man. It takes up brain
1: space. And can we really be bothered with that shit? Uh, I mean, I would argue that, yes, we should be bothered with that shit. If it like introduces pain and sorrow and suffering into the world, if you say those words and it makes somebody hurt, then maybe you shouldn't do that. You know, aren't you trying to make the world better, make it more peaceful and if that's not accomplishing that goal, maybe you need to examine your fucking words and not do that right That's his whole his whole thing and i I loved how the doodly Lama explained it like he but that was more like when he gets attacked he he recovers pretty quickly, but what about his
0: attacks?
1: Well, you know,
0: he's a, he's not. I mean, again, well, you're I claiming would say, he's not aware of it, but he should be. He needs to reflect. Well, right. Again, I'm going to steal this from what uh, Ollie was saying. But, you know, again, it's no one's perfect. Right. And he's not necessarily to be there to be a perfect person. And I'm, I'm sure there's things that we are doing today that are going to be so horrific to people 50 years from now.
1: I could name a couple. But I'm not like going words to.
0: that we use PC wise or like, you know, even like the things that we eat and drink that are just completely just poison. Hey, Miller Lite right? is triple
1: hops brewed, man. Yeah, true.
0: Like, you know, you go back to the 50s and there's like uh, cigarette commercials for kids. Nine out of ten doctors prefer... Yeah, Winston's. Winston's, like, it's like... Winston's yeah.
1: tastes good like a cigarette
0: should. Winston's tastes good mm-hmm. like a cigarette should. Right. And there's <laughs> Fred Flintstone smoking on a cigarette. Hey, Barney, I really like Marlboro. It's the, bro, the best cigarette. Like Is that a real one, or did you make that up? No, that's real. Fuck. Because Fred Flintstones were technically there on, like, in the evening, I think. So that's, I guess, oh, you know so what I mean? That was okay then. They, they were like the Simpsons of their time or whatever. Right. It was right. like for the whole family, it wasn't just like a Saturday morning cartoon show or whatever, so. Right. It was like, yeah, they could, you know, have those commercials in there.
1: Brian Shuey claims that Winstons are the athlete, <laughs> the athlete cigarette. <laughs> no, really, man. Really. You know? You you can smoke these. They're they're not quite as bad. Like, and then you can run <laughs> and then it'll run for a while, see? It's
0: good. Yeah, well it's like that um, right that John Belushi Saturday Night Live Skit. The I, little donuts. Oh the, the Breakfast <laughs> Little Chocolate Covered Donuts, the breakfast of champions. And it shows that shows him like this his hand going in and grabbing one and you can see a cigarette in his other hand.
1: I love those little chocolate donuts though. Yeah, they are great. And Tenmans Big chocolate donuts, also <laughs> very, very good. It's probably been twelve years since I've had one, but man, I could eat those with a little glass of milk, chocolate, or otherwise. Mm. Got anything? What do you got? You, you're so, going pretty well, good.
0: So, um, well, so what happens here? Right, the, the Walter is convinced the guy walks, picks him up. Well, he's slapping down, his he's hand. You know, the I titular him, Lebowski baby.
1: is trying to, like, wheel his chair back by using the control and the arm, and he's slapping his hand away from the control so he can't get away from him. You hear a little sound effect. Slap. Slap.
0: Yeah. That's just such a demoralizing, it, dehumanizing thing. Like, right. you're trying to get away, but I'm going to slap your hand away from your little jaw. Jo- oh, my God. That's horrible. It's
1: awful. It's like, and it's like, he's not even trying. It's just a dainty little slap. 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 And now you're like completely immobilized. Ugh, oh, that really is emasculating and demoralizing. But not even close to as bad as what he's about to do. Right,
0: Octung baby puts him down. Expecting the Octung baby, here it is. We're gonna see this guy walk. He falls to the ground. Granted, even if the guy did walk. He wouldn't if, walk. If I was in his situation, I would just allow myself to fall to the ground. I, I agree. I agree. I would Granted, do the same thing. It would be pretty. I mean, like to fall. Imagine falling from a standing up position directly down. So imagine standing up and then just allowing yourself to fall face first.
1: Okay, that's what you're asking me to imagine, but that's not what's happening. He's actually getting thrown down a little bit. So it's worse than that. Yeah.
0: It's that. I mean, you could hurt yourself
1: you could break Regretted, your jaw we talked
0: about this before if you were like it's bad five it's no big deal
1: no it happens every like 30 minutes
0: yeah if you're our age if you're a you're professional athlete bones. you do it for a living
1: you know but yeah if you're our age yeah you're in the hospital probably right or at least at, at the doctor like
0: getting checked out so on that level maybe i would walk to some degree I wouldn't walk, but I would, like, brace my fall, at least. Right. Like, he doesn't even brace his fall.
1: In fact, how do they even do that? That's gotta be a stuntman, right?
0: Yeah, it's definitely a stuntman. He might probably have some kind of padded suit on the front. Who knows what they did with the set, because he falls onto that carpet. It's like a very thin man who's covered in
1: padding, and Mm -hmm. the carpet is got, like, rubber or foam underneath it
0: right I mean they probably didn't do this because they probably did just shoot this in some mansion somewhere but yeah you you could do something crazy like cut out a bit of the floor under where you're going to fall and actually put whatever kind of foam
1: well you could put like two inches of foam (laughs) underneath the carpet and then with the padding in the clothing Mm. would probably be enough
0: yeah and you can see them kind of like bounce a bit I mean yeah. that's just your natural body bouncing. Yeah, you're a I've meat bounced bag. Before I've bounced. When it's did you no bounce? Well I flew off my bike. Oh, was that a- that was after the pigeon, right? No, that was before the pigeon. Before the pigeon. Okay. Before I saw the pigeon, so, along the same bike path though, where I saw the pigeon is also where I had my bike accident.
1: I imagined it being on the same path, like n- not right where the pigeon is, but near the pigeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, but I flew over the handlebars. Hit the ground and what are you, it bounced. What the fuck! I kind of skipped like a stone along the asphalt path. Did you only apply the front brakes? That's exactly what I did. What
1: the
2: fuck!
0: And my bike turned. Are you upside nine years old, of, dude? I here, It was. It's embarrassing. It's totally embarrassing. I was going. Um, it was a, it was a perfect storm of events. I was going way too fast. You got cocky. I got cocky. I was going way too fast. I was trying to outrun my demons. Yeah, you'll,
1: you'll just a
0: word of usually, advice. You'll never outrun them. You need
1: to confront them.
0: Yeah, I usually do not. You just yelled me. Well, I was in the middle. I'm trying to listen. my. All right, I'm sorry. My train of thought. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. no, don't be sorry. But no, you're right. I gotta confront the demons at some point. I'm still running. At one point, I'm gonna turn around and confront them. All right. I'm not quite there yet. Once you put the robe on, I was going too fast. I had my phone in my pocket, which I usually do not have it in my pocket. When I ride, there's like a little um, I have a little, you know, uh, saddlebag type thing that can go in. But for whatever, I forget why it wasn't in there that day for some reason. And so I'm going too fast and I feel like the phone had fallen out of my pocket. It was some sand phantom thing. So I put my hand onto my pocket to feel if it was still in there. Now you're steering with one hand. I'm steering with one hand and I'm going insanely fast. Well above the advisable speed for this path. A man of your size? That's horrifying. And because I'm going so fast, I need to stop. And I'm like,
1: "What if it was was raining. Or chipmunk darts out in front of you.
0: Well, that was in essence, I was going too fast. There was a, the path was taking a turn and where it takes a turn. There was a huge, like, you know, um, uh, like, a, like more than a puddle. Like it's one of these things where, you know, the ground just fills with water cause it's slightly indented there or whatever, oh, you know? Oh boy. So I was coming up to that going way too fast, hit the brake. And when like, again, I've described this sensation before I'm on the bike and next thing I know I'm bouncing. Like it just happened so quickly.
1: If uh, there's a lot of energy at play
0: for you to be bouncing. I mean, to be honest, I don't know. I didn't see what happened. It felt as if I had bounced. Maybe I was simply rolling at such a high velocity that it felt like bouncing. Did you, you
1: flipped? You did some flips, you think?
0: Yeah, I think I, well, yes, I think I flipped.
1: Brad, this is giving me nightmares already. I'm not even asleep yet. <laughs> <This> <laughs> it was awful. It,
0: it, again. I don't know what actually happened. Right? If you, maybe if there was a video footage, it would look totally unremarkable. Just like a, I went bloop off my bike. What it felt like was tumbling, head, feet overhead, hitting ground, bouncing, skidding, and then rolling
1: like the most epic flipping car crash ever filmed for a movie. Right
0: except it was my just my body just your meat sack yeah and i thought i was messed up so bad right. like as it was happening i was like okay this is just happening like better, there wasn't better. really much i could do to stop it but and i only had was enough time to really have one thought and again it wasn't like a panic so i couldn't even do that what was it was the more thought? just like what
1: have i done with my life
0: It was, no, it was just more like, I've just hurt myself really bad permanently. Oh, just a totally selfish, okay. Yeah, no, exactly. It was just totally like, like, because I had kind of like, the first hit and the first bounce was on my neck. Oh, God. Like, my my neck and my shoulder, like, my whole head got slammed to the side on my neck. That's the worst place to get slammed. I more or less was standing on my neck. My feet were in the air. (laughs) My neck had hit the ground. That's like the my opposite head had hit the of how you want to be. Yeah. So I was like, why well, just fucking um, am I going to be paralyzed now that this happened? Like it was it's, it was seems like a crazy. very analytical
1: <laughs> thought process. as yeah. this awfulness that was pretty is happening. Much
0: what I thought. I only had time for about one thought. And it was kind of like I might have just paralyzed myself. I just fucking fucked up my neck so bad. Life's going to be different from now on. You're welcome, Christine. But uh, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't happen. So you, did you get back? Was your bike fucked up? What happened was, well, I landed. I skidded. Um, bounced. You bounced a little. Someone. You flipped. Nearby had heard it. Well, I will say this. I, I bet they heard it. Started, I let out a little bit of, not really a scream, more like s- a yell. A, s- a squeak. Kind of like a, oh, 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 like as I was like bouncing, this keeps getting worse. I was letting out noise like that. Noise uh, like that was being forced out of me.
1: God damn it.
0: And then, um, yeah, a a, a lady who I'm forever in her debt. Um, cause there was like kind of people's backyards kind of backed into this bike path. So she had, it was summertime. I guess her windows would open. I'm not sure. Maybe she wasn't to be honest. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but. She had heard slash seen it. She was on the scene very quickly um, with her phone calling 911. Um, she just jumped right to it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I paramedics you were card. there. They put my head in the thing to hold it in place and all that and got me on a stretcher.
1: How many paramedics were there? Two. Those are some strong and fucking paramedics. There were two
0: well, there was two paramedics, to be honest. I can't remember how they lifted me up. I mean, the one guy was huge. He was my size. I'll give it that. Okay. Um, God damn it, man. Yeah. And there was a um a cop v- there. Was it just a single cop or was it two cops? I can't remember. Well, I think remember. if you had
1: somebody your size and then two guys on the other side, they could maybe make it work. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I can't remember, because there's two paramedics. Eventually, there's two paramedics. Because There the was either gurney, one or two cops, and there were three citizen bystanders there before it was all said and done. They only have to get to you, to like, me.
1: six or eight inches up onto the gurney, and then the gurney, right. like... Yeah, ele- it lifts like, up. It does doesn't elevate.
0: up. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Scissors. It does a little yeah. scissors. Thing,
0: yeah, they just right? had to get me on that. So, yeah, yeah. I got there. I got a... I got a uh,
1: There was a little bit of a crowd around
0: Ambulance ride, yeah, there was like about three people As people came down the path They would stop And gawk, or Well, no, just like talk, oh, how can I help, Oh blah, blah You know, as I was waiting So like, the cop was there, I'm gonna say Within like 60 seconds
1: Where the fuck, was he on a bike? Was he a bike he cop? He
0: drove his You know how I feel about bike cops <laughs> No, I don't, how do you <laughs> feel about bike cops? <laughs> He he drove his police cruiser on the bike path.
1: He must have been really close by.
0: Yeah. Um, he was there quick. I mean, granted. But
1: you know your t- sense of time, like your perception is of time. It's probably all out, yeah. I will
0: admit. So I'm saying it felt like 60 seconds. could it have could been have 10 been. minutes. Yeah. I don't think it could have been that long. It was pretty quick. But yeah, he was there. Um, Usually it's the other way. You,
1: first, you feel like it's longer than it actually is. So I've heard. Yeah.
0: So anyway, yeah. So, so then, he was there. Then some other people. One of the pe- one of the people that happened to walking down the path and stopped. She was a nurse, so she was kind of like asking me questions, making sure I was okay. And then the paramedics you, got there. Did you get put into the
1: ambulance?
0: <laughs> yeah, the ambulance. They put me in the ambulance. Took me to the hospital. What happened me, to your out. bike? Um, the cop drove it to my house. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. You know, nice cop, huh? He didn't just shoot you? That's amazing. Oh, come on now. I mean, granted, yeah.
1: Well, you could have been a threat. You're a large man. Yeah.
0: Well, and the funny thing is, I saw that same cop the next day. He got called to my house. for on a different issue. That would be the same cop.
1: Dare I ask what issue?
0: We had to call the cops on um, one of the kids staying with us.
1: Wow, it had to resort to that, huh?
0: Yeah. Did he remember you? Yeah, oh yeah. He's well, like he remembered that. the house because he had dropped the bike off oh, and everything. Right. And I'm there all banged up. You know, I have like, you know, I had all the, all the ribs on one side were all bruised. I think I eventually actually cracked one. Oh, they x-rayed God. it and said they're just bruised, not cracked. Oh. But the next day, I sneezed. Oh, Jesus. Unguardedly. Oh. And the pain, it literally felt like what I would imagine it would feel like to be stabbed with a large dagger right into the ribs. Like the pain was searing and horrible and complete and went on and on and on. So I, I'm thinking I might have actually cracked one with that sneeze or, or or several of them moved from just, uh, you know, bruised to actually cracking with that moment. But, uh, so yeah, that's really what I got away. Other than like, oh. sc- other than scrapes and stuff. I mean, I was wearing a helmet. Luckily, the side, the one side of the helmet was just like sheared, not sheared off. I mean, like it was just like it had removed it some of like the helmet. Yeah, it kind of looked like if you took a, a belt sander right. to the side of the helmet for a couple seconds. So <sighs> that that would have been your head. Yeah, that that it was like that. So, Do you yeah. think
1: you could have died if you weren't wearing a helmet? No.
0: Really? But maybe, I mean, I'm not going to say it's not possible. I feel like I would not have died. I don't think, well, I don't know. It's hard to say. I feel like my head. You just yeah, said maybe, maybe, you're six you're foot right. eight Yeah, and you're,
1: you were upside down in part of your like <coughs> spinning, bouncing, smashing maneuver. That seems like there could have been significant head trauma.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right.
1: You know, anytime just, just freeze frame, boom. You're traveling what? twenty miles an hour, twenty five miles an hour, and just don't freeze. You're upside down, your head is on the ground, your body's your feet are up in the air, and now the rest of that's gonna play out. That could have been really, really, really shitty. You don't know what else your head was. No, that's very
0: true. That's true. I mean, definitely, my head would have probably been scraped up. Hmm. But you're no, you. I think you're right. Like, I don't know. That could have actually. And who knows? Again, that that type of um, like, how much of the impact that absorbed versus transferred into my body, right? Right. Which could have actually gone into my neck and everything else. Right. Exactly. It's got to go somewhere, man. That's what the
1: helmet does. Yeah, it takes the energy.
0: So you know, I never quite. For whatever reason, <coughs> excuse me, thought of it that way. But uh, yeah, you're right. I could have maybe I could have died or at least been severely um, like hospitalized for a while. Yeah. And, I, you know, we never wore helmets growing up. Yeah. It was like, why the hell would you wear a helmet again? Yeah. It's like the cigarettes and the Flintstones. Right. Like, it's just the again, the things that are different. Right. Or the whole like, yeah, car safety. Right, cars. Like, Ralph Nader had to, like, advocate for that. Like, <sighs> there were no seat belts. The yeah. steering column did not collapse. So pretty much if you got in a car accident you're driving, that steering column just went through your chest. Right. Or, like, the car just, if you got, like, T-boned or
1: hit from behind, it just burst into flames and everybody burned to death.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just like, what are you going to do? It's a car, right? Like, right, what hey, they do.
1: What else are we supposed to do? Come on, man. There's gas there. What do you want us to do? That's going to be fucking expensive, man. Yeah, but... Just a couple of fat Americans. Nobody will miss them.
0: So overall... <laughs> yeah, so the dude is in some way a throwback to an earlier time. Where yeah, I guess you could use the word cripple. Was that ever acceptable? I don't know. I think
1: it was. Well, you're not allowed to say handicapped anymore. I think disabled might even be going out of favor. Differently abled. Differently abled. Yes. Yeah, I, who knows? It's too much sometimes. I know that's not a popular sentiment, but it's just too much sometimes.
0: Well, I mean, I think it's a struggle, right? And it's we're continuing definite, to struggle. To, well, I'm, well, I guess what I mean by that is that culturally, we're struggling to find the right words and the right way to do this. And I mean, it's hard to do. It's somewhat hard to do, perhaps, right?
1: Yeah, well, it's obviously because here we are. But if the sentiment... Is right, and the attitude is right. why should the word negate the sentiment and the attitude? like does the word trump both of those things?
0: well, the word also, but the words you know words have their meanings that they enforce right like that happens without a doubt too. I guess the challenge is words have different meanings for different people uh, well, yeah, I think that's that's part of it. I think the word um you know, like if we were to say "disabled," right? Like, okay, that is a—I mean, there's a connotation there, right? It's framing it's negative, it in the form yeah. of like a negative. Yeah, it's a negative. Well, I mean, you and you can't really escape that fact. But the dude says, "Granted, cripple. it's all probably nicer than cripple." Is it? Why? Although we say it, Well, cripple isn't necessarily. I guess it is cripple. Something's crippled. It's
1: yeah. It's we're crippling the economy. You know. It's it's bad. It's taking mm-hmm. it down. It should be up here. Now it's down there, you know. But Brandt is appalled by the dude's worse <laughs> of crippled, and he
0: advocates for disabled. But I don't think you yeah, can say disabled. Yeah, but again, it's 1991, anymore. right? Yeah. That was maybe the phrase. Yes, it's, I Mr. Guess it's Lebowski like, is disabled.
1: Disabled, please, let's get it right. And it's like the same thing as the different the ongoing evolution of however we define what shell shock is, what, um, there was another term for it around Vietnam time and PTSD. And now they've changed it again. I forget what, but it's just like witnessing the horror of war fucks you up. And they're still struggling to find the preferred nomenclature for that. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess it's important.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's totally important. And you know, language—I think language is hugely important. Words matter. It, they do. And we, I mean, I think it'll be, but it'll be something that will always be worked on, probably.
1: Yeah, it'll. It's not. There's no. It's like, end it's, game. A,
0: you know, like it's like you're trending toward infinity. We're trending toward right. the perfect utopian world, hopefully. Um. It's the little, uh, bar, the graph where it's... Yeah, as- going. it's an asymptote.
1: Thank you. A- asymptote.
0: Asymptotic. Asymptotic. Totic? Totic? Totic?
1: It's like, you know, when you're trying to move to a point and get past it. I don't understand why I can never go past that mm-hmm. point. Because that's yeah. how I imagine travel. You can never actually get to the goal. You're always getting closer and closer and closer, but never actually reaching it. You can only strive for it and try to get as close as possible.
0: So if we're going to talk about some of the, you know, again, issues and uh, around, um, you know, words and language, as well as maybe some of the, again, differing trends of time. So we have uh, the titular Lebowski, who is differently abled. But man, he really pushes that dog away he's rough with that little thing you know yes i'm glad Again, you brought i that don't up. really notice it like just watching the movie maybe it doesn't quite like impact me in the past but watching that he really pushes that thing away i mean not to the point that it's going to cause any kind of permanent damage but it does give me pause like i noticed I don't that know, i can't really treat another i don't want to like see someone treat another living thing that way i mean i do that to my dog way
1: worse than that But he's 120 pounds, and he knocks Mm -hmm. me over all the time. He likes it, you know?
0: That's his idea of play. yeah, totally, totally. This dog
1: weighs like seven pounds.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, he gets shushed, pushed away. And, you know, again, maybe, who knows how they shot it, right? They have a little disclaimer, no dogs were hurt. Maybe it's a stunt dog. They rehearsed it. Totally possible.
1: Well, and also, let's face it, this does not hurt that dog. Even if it's not a stunt dog, it's not, you can shove a dog away like that. It doesn't hurt the dog. It's not yeah. a nice thing to do to the dog, but it doesn't hurt right. the dog. But Is I a- noticed this the very first time I watched this movie, because all of a sudden you're in a place, for the first time ever, to feel sorry, like feel some sympathy, maybe even empathy for the titular Lebowski, because now he's laying on the floor, <gasps> like whimpering and mm-hmm. sobbing. He's a hot mess down there. And then this dog comes up, and he's like, he just wants to be in his feelings down there and slobber and sob into the carpet. He's been totally shamed and humiliated. And now, just to really, like, rub salt in the wound, the fucking dog comes up, and the dog's trying to be nice. Comes up, and it's licking his face like, I'm sorry, I see that you're another creature in pain. It comes up, kind of licks its face, Thurston's being kind of nice. And then it's like, 65% of the feelings, the good feelings you had towards the sympathetic feelings you had towards the titular Lebowski go away when he like, you know,
0: he kind of like he, he adds it into his sob, right? Well, it kind of switches "Mm." from him, maybe sobbing like an adult to sobbing like a little baby,
1: a little baby. And here's something smaller and weaker than him that he can like still dominate. Everything exactly. else is fucked. He can't lord it over anybody now, except for this tiny little creature. And he's goddamn it, he's going to take that opportunity ugh, and shove it away. And it's like, you know what? You're still a dick, I, I, in a way. That's kind of masterful filmmaking. You know, it's that roller coaster of emotion that the characters are feeling, and we're also experiencing it. Like we just finally had this lightning strike moment of sympathy for the. Titular Lebowski, and then it just kind of goes away. Now he's back to being a douche. Yes. Have you been sick for two weeks? Because I think I finally got over I've, my sickness.
0: I've been sick for like about a week. Twenty and a years half now. <laughs> yeah, that too. But I've been sick for about a week and a half. Yeah, and man. It's not really abating.
1: No, I think. I just did a lot of work. Excuse me. Like anywhere from 12 to 17 hours a day for six days straight. And I think that may have like sweated out all the sickness. Judging by the Mm. stinkiness of my feet, I think all the sickness like drained down through my body and went out through my feet.
0: See, I've kind of done that. I've gone out and I've like sweated it out a little bit. Yeah. And after I do that, I feel way worse. Well, for a day, but then maybe you get better. No, like the next day I feel way worse. It's kinda of like I mm. I mean I well, part of my symptoms is like this kind of tiredness and this fatigue like in like every muscle in my body. So it's this weird mixture of like kind of like a I don't know what it's like. Some weird type of cold, throat irritation type thing mixed with this fatigue. Hmm. I oh. went to the doctor. He said it was probably just some virus, and i will take ten days. Well, it's been ten days. It should it's be. It's been. You should be on the men then. Today's day nine. All right. It's so coming. we'll see. Hopefully, I'm on the. Yeah, I mean, I'm to the point like last week. For two days, I just pretty much I stayed home. I needed to like sleep most of the day. Like it hit me pretty hard. This like fatigue aspect of it. Um. Now at least I can kind of get up and around, do a podcast, do some stuff here and there. I mean, at least there's that. I don't know what I would have done. You know,
1: what?
0: <laughs> man. Jesus. All right, we should wrap this up because I'm starting to. You're losing your I'm shit. there. I'm starting there. to lose it. I've, I've held it together somewhat this long.
1: I'm about to send you off to walk the plank off the back of the poop deck. Next time on
2: Gutter
0: A man in the black pajamas, dude. Worthy fucking adversary.